right, hey, I wanna welcome all of you and everyone gathered across all of our locations and anybody joining us online. Uh, today, we are kicking off a four-week series of messages we're calling The Cumulative Effect. And if that sounds familiar to any of you, it's because about six years ago, we did this series and God used it in some phenomenal ways. And we wanted to revisit some of those same principles for a couple of reasons. Uh, number one, you know, it, it's been a minute. You know, there's a lot that's happened in the last six years or so. And we just need to be reminded of some of these key truths that God spoke into the life of our church. And a whole bunch of you weren't here six years ago. And so we wanna, uh, we're all new, fresh material, but kind of the same concept. And the concept of the cumulative effect is just simply this. When it comes to growth of any kind, uh, spiritual, emotional, relational growth, or really like the, the Bible word after you come to faith in Jesus Christ, like we're saved by grace through faith in the finished work of Jesus alone. And then after that, we put in some effort and we put in some work uh, to grow in our uh, formation as we grow to look more like Jesus. So we're not trying to earn salvation, we're not trying to keep salvation, we're trying to grow to look more like Jesus. That's called sanctification. And sanctification or formation of any kind, it doesn't happen overnight. Um, but it happens little by little in the small daily decisions that we make that accumulate over time. And so that's what this series is about. We're gonna walk through a number of different topics over the next few weeks together. But today, uh, my lovely bride, Lindsay, has joined me on stage uh, to talk about um, parenting. And so give it up for Lindsay. Like, she's just... Now, what, uh, you know, don't tell her I said this, but... You know, one of the things that you just need to know about Lindsay is that she, this woman right here, like I, I don't have a ministry at Trader's Point without her. Like in my lowest of lows, like she keeps me in it. Um, she speaks necessary truth into my life, like when no one else will or when I don't wanna hear it. Like she uh, just keeps me in it. She's full of so much wisdom, discernment, and grace. And you don't necessarily see her on the platform uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, now, she used to serve on the worship team around here. Some of you might remember that. And uh, several years ago, she decided to step away from that, primarily around like her role and responsibility just with our kids. That was one of several reasons. Um, and um, Lindsay actually did a teaching with me. It was about 11 years ago. You were pregnant with our youngest, Cadence. Cadence is 11 now, so that tells you how long ago it's been. And we did, a, we did a kind of a message together on parenting. At the time, it was the most requested, downloaded message I'd ever preached. And I don't know quite sure how I feel about that, honestly. Um, but that'll actually just tell you just the kind of wisdom and discernment she has. However, um, like, uh, speaking, like public speaking and speaking from the platform, really, like if she were to be honest, like it's not her thing. And she loves our church deeply. She would just prefer to love our church from the back and behind the scenes. Uh, however, I don't know, two or three months ago, uh, we were talking about parenting, like we were in the kitchen, she was just sharing with me some of the things that uh, you know, God's been teaching you and, and we were kind of processing that together and you said to me, like hey, if there's ever a time where um, I might share some of these things just with the church family, you know, I'd be willing to do that. And so Lindsay, what, what is it, you know, what, what's God been doing in your heart that uh, led to that a conversation between us? Well, as he said, this is not my favorite thing, so <laughs> I appreciate your grace. <laughs> um, I've been sensing lately that God is just pushing me to grow mm. outside of my comfort zone. Uh, 
He stirred a passion in my heart for parenting, and he's just teaching me things that I feel we need to share with others. In many ways, being a kid is harder today than it's ever been, for all kinds of reasons. Social media, global events, pressure and anxiety. Therefore, being a parent is harder than it's ever been as well. I talk to a lot of people who are struggling with this. One of the primary callings on my life is to parent our kids really well. And I have a lot more work to do and a lot more to learn. Yeah, yeah, so do I. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I am, it's such a privilege for me is I just get like this front row seat to watch you mother our kids and you're so amazing at it. And so thank you for being willing to have the courage to come up and to share with us some wisdom. Um, Yeah. Um, You know, I... I, I know you're not a fan of being up here on stage, so I, it means a lot. Yes, so. but I'm a fan of you. Oh. <laughs> Gosh, you're gonna make me cry. Um, well, um, Lindsay and I, uh, this June, we've been married uh, 24 years. Uh, this woman is a saint. Keep it up with everything she's, she's put up with. And um, you know, we started having kids when we were just kids. And, you know, we were not ready for this. You know, one of the most astounding things to me is like, you know, when you get a job, like you got to go through, you know, certain training, you know, when you get a driver's license, you got to take a test and pass, like, you know, to, you don't have to do any of that to become a parent. And, uh, you know, it's like, uh, I remember um, we were living in California at the time, clear across the country from our family, doing one of the hardest things we've ever done in our life, plant a church, which just creates all kinds of stress and strain on the marriage relationship. And uh, we didn't have, we weren't in around any family at all. And I'll never forget, it was a Wednesday. Um, you said, I'm not feeling quite right. And so you stopped, you got a pregnancy test on the way home. You came out of the bathroom and you said, it's positive. 10 minutes later, I regained consciousness <laughs> because we weren't like necessarily trying to have kids at the time. And um, we, we were, you know, we just weren't ready at all for any of this. And then, so we had our son Connor in 2002. And then shortly after that, we had um, our daughter and we were just in, you know, we've made so many mistakes and we've stumbled along the way. And yet God's been so good and he's been so gracious to us. Like we really have great kids. Like they're not perfect, but they're great kids. And so here's a picture of our family, just a recent picture. Lindsay's gonna kind of tell you who they are. Connor is, he's our son, he's 20. Um, He's in his second year of college, and Campbell is 18, and she graduates from high school this next month. Mm. Kennedy is 16, and she's a sophomore, and Cadence is 11, and she's in fifth grade. Yeah, it's wild, like even looking at that picture, you know, uh, uh, thank you guys, (laughs) I appreciate it. you know, any of you that, you know, are parents, like you kind of know this, like you're looking at your kids and it's weird how like they're just like such a mixture of the two of you, you know, and I can look at all four of our kids. I can see a little bit of me and I can see a little bit of Lindsay. And then like, you know, my, my, my son and my youngest daughter probably maybe favor me a little bit more. Is that fair to say? Fair. And then like our two middle daughters, like they kind of fair, uh, they favor Lindsay just a little bit more. And you just like look at all that and just like the dynamics around parenting uh, is just so wild to look at that. But honestly, like our kids really are like great kids, like they love the Lord and you know, it, not because of us, but sometimes like, well, in spite of me, because of her. Of but, um, uh, and you know, I, I, as we kind of say all that, as we kind of introduce this topic and our family to you, I, I just want to acknowledge this. I remember before I became a dad, like long before I even thought about being a parent, if I were to uh, go, come to church and like hear a message on parenting, 
Um, here's what I'd be tempted to do. I'd be tempted to check out. Like I'd be like, this doesn't have anything to do with me. Like this doesn't apply. And uh, you know, some of you might be a single adult. Maybe some of you like don't have kids, aren't ready for kids. Maybe, maybe, maybe even in a more painful season, some of you like would really like to have kids. And you're in a season where right now that's just not happening. Or uh, maybe you know, your kids are already grown and gone. And um, you're kind of an empty nester. And I just want to acknowledge that you're in the room. In fact, like last, this last week, like I invited somebody to church and then after I got done with the conversation, I was like, they don't have any kids and uh, we're gonna be talking about parenting this week. And so I just wanna um, thank you for being willing to, to listen to this and don't check out. Here, here's a couple of reasons why. Number one, God's word is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword and it penetrates. And from, speaking from experience, oftentimes those passages and those topics that I don't think have any immediate application for me, God's got a word for me. And God wants to speak into my life. Uh, you know, for maybe one day when you are a parent. Maybe, maybe you'll never be a parent. However, there's still application uh, for your life because one of the things we're gonna talk about is that a big thing that impacts so much of our parenting is what we might call our family of origin or like past baggage or trauma that ends up impacting the way we parent our kids. And I would also say that impacts your interpersonal relationships. So there's something there that you can learn. The other thing that I would say that is this, uh, I have learned more about the theology of God's grace by becoming a dad than I have from any book, sermon, or class that I've ever taken. And so there's some things here around just our vertical relationship with God that God wants to teach us from some of these parenting um, principles that we're gonna talk about. But here's one of the big things that I just wanna kinda lay out for you. This is gonna be a real paradigm shift for, for so many of us regardless whether you have kids or not, is that your greatest accomplishment may not be something that you do, but it's somebody that you raise or you influence. Um, relationships are so vitally important. And your biggest contribution to this world may not be the money that you make or the thing that you produce or, or sell, but it's the person that you impact. And so for some of you, you may not have kids, but you have nieces and nephews. Some of you, you may not have kids, but you um, have uh, maybe a, a student ministry life group that you're gonna lead, or you're gonna be a sponsor at a CIY trip or maybe one of our kids' camps, and God's gonna use you in that way to impact them. But regardless, uh, our church wants to lift up and to invest in the next generation, and so you're influencing someone in your life right now. And a couple of key passages of scripture, as Lindsay and I were kind of sitting down kind of uh, walking through this talk that we really kind of want to lay the foundation for is Psalm 127 and 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And so Lindsay's gonna read Psalm 127, verses one through three. Unless the Lord builds a house, the work of the builders is wasted. Unless the Lord protects a city, guarding it with sentries will do no good. It is useless for you to work so hard from early morning until late at night, anxiously working for food to eat. For God gives rest to his loved ones. Children are a gift from the Lord. They are a reward from him. And those three verses, I think, do such a great job of just kind of summarizing the times in which we live. And I think for so many of us, the pressure that are coming against a lot of our homes is um, just the pace of life. 
You know, our calendars are so full, the pressures and responsibilities of work, all the extracurriculars, and we can just get so loaded down that we end up maybe not being fully present with our kids or our family. We check out, we numb out because of all these pressures that are coming our way. And then, man, that verse three, children are a gift from the Lord. They're a reward from him. That is just something you just don't hear from our society. Our society at worst like sees kids as an inconvenience or something that's a distraction, but we just really wanna come back to this truth that children, they're a gift from God and they are a reward. And every single one of us are never fully ready for this task. All of us feel inadequate to, to a certain extent and that's why we need the truth of 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse nine. When Paul writes these words, he says, my grace is all you need. And then he says, my power works what? It works best. It works best how? When I recognize that I'm weak. So now I am glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. Every single one of us has weaknesses and to parenting in particular, we've got a weakness as a parent and that is an opportunity. That's an opportunity to invite the power of God into that and ask God, like, God, I'm inadequate for this. You know, I've tried and tried and tried and it's not working. I've said all the things, they're not responding. I feel like a failure. And that's an opportunity for us to invite the power of God in the midst of our weakness and his grace covers us. And we need that because right now, um, as Lindsay just said a minute ago, it has never been harder, uh, we believe, in the history of the world to be a kid. You know, there's so much anxiety, so much pressure. I think um, there's a number of things that we could, you know, uh, try to uh, uh, explain as to why that is. You know, I kind of look back like at at our childhood, you know, uh, I was just largely oblivious to what was going on around the world. You know, it was like, you know, the only way I knew is if my parents had one of the three news channels on, we only had three, remember those days? That was amazing. Uh, Now everybody's, you know, talking heads all over the place, giving us commentary around the world. And if my parents had one of those on, I was just over here in the background, but largely I was just kind of unaware. Nowadays, like kids are exposed to the pressures on the other side of the world all the time, and it's just creating uh, all this anxiety and pressure. So it's never been harder to be a kid. Therefore, it has never been harder to be a parent of those kids. And last week, if you were here for the Easter survey, uh, one of the questions that we asked, it was the, uh, the fill in the blank one, Right now, what is one of life's greatest challenges for you? And uh, we haven't processed through all those surveys fully just yet, but my team came to me, I think it was on Wednesday, and they said, hey, we just wanted to let you know that a large percentage of those answers um, or responses was parenting. That all of you are saying, I mean, the, no, like the number one challenge for me right now is just knowing how to parent. And the statistics just back this up. Uh, the, some of the latest statistics say 56% of parents lack confidence in their parenting. So if you're here today, you're like, man, I'm trying to do the best I can, but I'm not quite sure you know, how I'm doing, then you're in good company. Like well over half feel that way. 71% of parents struggled to find time to enjoy activities with their kids. Uh, 80% wanted more information on how to improve their relationship. Uh, this next uh, stat from George Barna, I honestly just think is really, really tragic. He reports that 62% of parents they interviewed defined successful parenting as having done the best they could regardless of the outcomes. So it's this idea of like, I'm gonna cross my fingers, close my eyes, take a deep breath, and hope they turn out despite my best efforts. 
And, um, and while we cannot control the direction of our kids' lives and the decisions that they make, we can be a little bit more intentional than that. You know, I think that when it comes to parenting and we feel so inadequate and at a loss, and, and Lindsay, uh, where do you think like this, these feelings of inadequacy come from as a parent, both like personally and then for us collectively? For me personally, parenting teenagers is like holding up a mirror. <laughs> Um, I've had to recognize that my past experiences in life are profoundly influencing how I interact with and parent our kids. I've learned so much from Adam Young on his podcast. There's a link between our failures as a parent and unaddressed parts of our story. Every parent knows what it's like to lose it with your children. We've all said and done things that have hurt our children unintentionally. Most parenting failures are a result of what we might call dysregulation in the parent, which is caused by some sort of unprocessed trauma or harm from your past. Our child says or does something that pushes up against this and then we react to it emotionally rather than respond to it. Mm. If we haven't grieved the emotional losses we experienced as a little girl or boy, it will be reenacted in our parenting. So when we become dysregulated, we will usually do whatever it takes to become regulated again. When we lose it with our kids, that's what we're doing. We're using them to regulate ourselves, which then causes them harm. We cannot be a safe space for our kids if we are not curious about why we react instead of respond to them. And I, I remember the first time like you said that to me, like you brought that up. And I just had this like immediate flashback to when I lost it with our son. <laughs> it's only happened once or twice, but um, I'm just joking. But, uh, uh, but I, 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 you said that to me and I remember, um, you, do you remember this? Connor was like maybe eight or nine and um, I, he was traveling with me. It was a Sunday afternoon. And this was back when we were in Saturday night services. So I think I just preached like four or five times that weekend. I was utterly exhausted. We go to the airport, all disheveled. And Connor and I get to the gate. We've got these bags uh, with us. And he says to me, uh, Dad, can I go to the candy store and get some candy? And honestly, like I was just so annoyed. And I was just like, you know, up. Fine, you know, fine, you know, I don't know why you need, you know, here, you know, I give him the cash. I, we, I didn't want to leave the gate because, you know, we had our seats like right next to the door and we had, you know, our bags and everything. And, and so he, he, he leaves, goes to the candy store, comes back, getting ready to uh, board just in a few minutes. And he walks up to me with all this candy and he stops and he looks at me and he goes, oh, dad, he goes, I forgot to pay. <laughs> and, and immediately, like, I lost it. Like, I just, I just started laying into him. Like, I mean, this was just, like, it was just like the last straw for me. And I'm sitting there just kind of chewing him out. And all of a sudden, I hear this lady, she's sitting right next to me, and she goes, sir, sir. She said, it's going to be okay. <laughs> she said, I'll watch your bags. You take your son to the candy store, sort things out, you know. With the, and, and immediately, as soon as she said that, just like what you said with the mirror, it was as if she was putting a mirror up in front of me and I realized how ridiculous I looked and sounded. The next thing that I thought was, I really, really hope she doesn't go to our church. <laughs> I was just like being really honest. 
And man, I've had so many of those moments where it had nothing to do with my son. That was a thing in me. Like that was an unprocessed thing in me that I needed to get real curious about. And, you know, even now, like at times, uh, whenever Connor and I are at the airport, we walk past that candy store. I'm like, by chance, you don't have any memory around any of that, do you? And he's like, no, dad, I remember. I'm like, oh man. You know, it's like every time I walk by that candy store, I'll be at the airport tomorrow. I walk by that candy store. I just have this emotional wince. Like, oh, you know, I just totally messed that up. And I think that's going to be the norm for so many of us as parents. You're going to lose it with your kids. And I think in that moment, what you do next is so important. Like, it's important to get real curious about why you reacted that way instead of responded. It's important for you to do the cleanup with your kids and to say, you know what? That had nothing to do with you. I'm so sorry that I responded that way. Could you give me some grace? And uh, you know, Lindsay, one of the things that I've just um, admired about you as we've had kids over the last 20 years is just, uh, and you're so much better at this than me, uh, both naturally and you're just a student of it, but is you just do such a great job of learning how to connect with each one of our kids in the way they need connection. And so talk to us a little bit about what God's been teaching you about that. We're all created in the image of a triune God. Therefore, our greatest need as human beings is connection. As parents, we need to ensure that our child feels felt. You feel felt when another person is attuned to what you're feeling on the inside, and you have a sense that they are then with you. This is empathy. When your child has big emotions, they need you to join them in those feelings. Connection is about your presence with them far more than your words. What your child needs more than anything else is an emotional connection with you. Mm. When they feel and receive this, then it leads to a secure attachment and emotional health. I really like this quote from Daniel Siegel, author of the book Parenting from the Inside Out. The key to staying connected to your child, even during discipline, is to align yourself with your child's emotional state. Helping your kids feel felt is not about giving them what they desire. It's about helping them know that as their parents, we understand what they are feeling inside of their body. So as a parent, we can empathize with our child's desires without agreeing to give them what they want. Your facial expression and tone of voice lets your child know you are feeling something of their sadness or their anger. Mm. That's so good, and probably one of those things that I know for me, I'm like, man, I wish I would've taken a class on that or learned that or read that book before we had kids, and all of us can probably have that emotional wince where we recognize where we've done that with our kids. And so what type of you know, encouragement would you give to parents that are sitting out here? Maybe they've got little babies at home, toddlers, they're teenagers, their kids are grown and gone, and they're sitting there going, ah, I've had my own candy store moment. You know, I've had my own moment where I, I just blew right past uh, the feelings of my child. What kind of encouragement would you give to them? Every parent, parenting failure can become an opportunity if we are willing to do the work of repair. The goal of parenting isn't to ever mess up or cause harm to your children. We are all imperfect and broken human beings. If we never do harm, then we would have no need for the cross. Mm. The goal of parenting is to repair harm when you do it while releasing the shame you may feel because of it. Repentance is something that we get to do without shame because our failures as a parent have been nailed to the cross. Mm. God can use our failures for good 
I love what it says in Joel 2.25. God can restore and give you back what was taken. With God's grace, we can repair with the hope that God will redeem what we have messed up. It's never too late. Jesus delights to heal our kids in the places where we have unintentionally hurt them. Amen, amen, so good. And I want, some of you need to receive that today. Um, Receive that. Because some of you right now don't want to, because you're condemning yourself, you're shaming yourself, you're beating yourself up, and you need to receive that. Your heavenly Father wants to give that to you. You know, and I think about, I think about all the jobs that I've had in my life. Um, you know, um, all of them, like the longer I have the job, the better I get at it, because I just learn things along the way, except for one, <laughs> being a dad. Like, like the longest I'm the dad, like the, the, the longer I'm a dad, the more I like realize what I don't know. And, and here's, I think, part of the challenge. Like um, when our kids were babies, I got pretty good at it and then they changed. Or, or then we added another one. It's kind of like the Jim Gaffigan thing. Like you want to know what, you know, having four kids is like, it's like drowning and somebody hands you a baby. And it's like that, that whole idea of like, you get kind of good at the toddler thing and then they become middle schoolers, you know, and then you get here pretty good at that and then they become teenagers and then the gloves come off. Like, it's like, welcome to the jungle. Uh, trying to figure all that out. And it kind of reminds me of uh, Pastor Larry Osborne. He was joking about this and he was reflecting on 40 years of preaching on parenting. And he said this, he goes, my titles of my sermons on parenting have changed over the years. And so he said way back, like before I had kids, the title of my sermon was 10 rules for raising righteous kids. And then we had a child and the sermon title got changed to seven guidelines for raising godly kids. And then we had child number two and the sermon title changed to three strategies (laughs) for raising good kids. And then after the third child, it was just three suggestions for surviving parenthood. (laughs) And, uh, you know, I think, you know, if I'm just speaking for me personally, and I think all of us need to look at this, you know, to a certain extent, like when it comes to like our careers and what we do for a living and how that impacts our kids and and all of our careers do, you know, if you're traveling a lot, uh, high stress job. And so you come home and you just, you're tempted to numb out and you're not fully present with your kids. Um, uh, or you're like, you're, work, you're working at home. You don't know where the boundaries lie. You know, six o'clock, you know, comes and you're still working. And so there's all of these challenges to our careers. And I think for me, you know, one of the things that as a young man, like I felt called by God into ministry when I was 19 years old. It was before she and I started dating and long before we ever had kids. It did not even cross my mind how what I do might impact my wife and kids. And so I just didn't even think about, like some of you are preacher's kids, like you know, you have the secret handshake, you, we know who you are. And, and I just didn't even think about like raising preacher's kids and you know what that, now here's the thing, is that that uh, come, has come with tremendous blessings and our church has been so good to our kids. Like when we moved here, our kids were really, really little. I mean, Connor was like, I think maybe four or so and Campbell was two, Kennedy was maybe one, less than one, Cadence wasn't even born yet, and they've grown up here, and you guys have been so good and so gracious to them. But it's not that I even have to worry about you, it's about what other people who know who they are will say to them that maybe create um, a certain set of expectations. Like all my kids have come up to me and said, yeah, Dad, just because of what you do, they think we know the Bible inside and out. And so they'll ask us hard Bible questions, and we we don't know. 
That's, that's pressure. Uh, or maybe even things that they say to them that like we didn't even know got said to them when they were younger. And as they become teenagers, they kind of open up a little bit more about that. And uh, you know, uh, maybe one of my uh, favorite examples of this is, I think it was back in 2015, we were traveling, we were on the road, we were heading out, on, on the, we were in the West Coast somewhere, and I think our kids were um, like 10, eight, four, and one. And they were at, uh, we were at an IHOP, we are sitting in a booth, we'd been driving all day, I'm exhausted, and they're, they're being really rowdy and loud. And you know, anytime, any, those with big families, you know what, it, what it's like to go to a restaurant with a big family. You know, we, we become a spectacle. You know, and everybody's just kind of looking at us like, four kids, do they know how that happens? You know, and, and so, you know, we, we were like sitting in a booth and like our kids are being loud, people are giving us looks. And so I shush them right as the waiter walks up. <laughs> I feel like your respect level for me as a dad's going down, right? As the longer the sermon goes. Dad of the year right here. So I'm shushing them as the waiter comes up to me, as comes up to us. And here's what the waiter says. He leans in, he looks at our kids and he goes, hey guys, you be as rowdy as you want. I don't see a preacher around here, do you? And like, our kids like immediately looked at me and I'm like, shut up. I'm like, no, like. And so I think just one of the things that I think would be so helpful is just like acknowledging maybe like what your career, like the pressures of your career, maybe how that's like shaping like your kids. And, uh, and, 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 just, and just acknowledging that. One of the, I think the, the uh, most helpful things here as our kids have become teenagers is uh, I've just started to say things like this to them. Hey guys, um, I volunteered for this, you didn't. You know, I signed up for this, you didn't. You got born into this and so, uh, that, that comes responsibilities and blessings. Is there anything I can do to help kind of carry the weight of that? Is there anything that I can do to help alleviate maybe some of the pressure that you feel? And I think our, our kids have, have responded well to that. It's meant a lot to them. You know, um, there um, might be something today as we've been talking about this that was said and um, immediately, maybe you're just feeling some shame and some guilt and some inadequacy. You wish you'd maybe heard some of these principles a little bit earlier. Some of you right now, maybe you just kind of feel like you've blown it. And what we want you to know today, as we begin to kind of wrap up our time, is it is never too late. God's grace covers over our shortcomings and failures as a parent. And right now, I want, I want to teach you, just as your pastor, to learn to discern between the voices in your head. So right now, there is something called, when, when we open up God's word and we begin to share, there should be something that you feel. And so right now, there is maybe a voice that we might call the still small voice, the voice of the Holy Spirit that is speaking. And the voice of the Holy Spirit can sometimes speak some uncomfortable truths into our lives. It can make us squirm a little bit, and that's a good and healthy thing. That's called conviction. And when you feel the conviction of the Holy Spirit, man, you embrace that, you lean into that, you know that God's grace covers you so that way you can uh, maybe run after uh, who God wants you to be. Maybe you're not, you're not there yet. There's another voice though, and that's the voice of our enemy. And the voice of the enemy does not speak to bring about conviction, the voice of the enemy speaks to bring about condemnation. Those are very different. And I know right now there's a lot of parents that maybe you're listening to the voice of condemnation and you're feeling utterly defeated. And we can put a lot of pressure on ourselves in the midst of a society that puts a lot of pressure on you and, and then you compound it with maybe, maybe you've walked through a divorce 
And so you're carrying the guilt and the baggage of all of that. And uh, maybe, you know, you, you, you've got, maybe you lost a job or you've got an addiction and there's all this pressure on you. And we live in a social media world where, you know, you look at, you know, your friends and their families and the vacations that they're giving their kids and the clothes that their kids are wearing and where their kids are going to school. And it's just all this mounting pressure and we can all just feel potentially like failures. And I think that this, uh, much of this has been contributed to a uh, psychologist by the name of B.F. Skinner. And his philosophy was kind of like this. Uh, hey, children are blank slates. Uh, therefore, a good environment will always equal good children. So if you had an environment that wasn't so good, then you only have yourself to blame you know, if your kids are bad. And that is just a bunch of garbage. As Christians, we've sort of bought into that. Uh, we've even hijacked a verse for it. Uh, Proverbs chapter 22, verse six. Some of you know the verse. Train up a child in the way they should go, and when they grow older, they will not depart from it. And that is a great verse. I believe in the wisdom of that. I believe that it's true. However, we oftentimes, as we quote it or read it, we fail to remember that that is coming from the book of Proverbs, not the book of Promises. The book of Proverbs are a list of wisdom principles for how life generally works out, not a recipe or an equation for life, how life always works out. And so that equation of good environment always equals good children, like that didn't even work for God. And here's what I mean. God's first kids, Adam and Eve, here's the equation. They, they were in a perfect environment, Garden of Eden, no sin nature, plus a perfect father. Nobody did this better than God. He's God, still equaled rebellion. So what the Bible is showing us is that your kids are sinners, just like you. And they've got free will. And so you can do the absolute best job possible and they may still grow up to make poor decisions and maybe even veer away from God. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you did anything wrong. Some of you right now, some of you, maybe you thought that you did everything right. And you thought you raised them in a godly home and you thought you, you know, did the devotions and you thought you were doing all the things that you should do. And then they grew up and they made poor decisions or maybe they've even veered away from you. And now you're like, I don't understand uh, what happened there. And I think this when it comes to grace, it, and here's the other thing. Some of you raised kids in the exact same environment and they turned out dramatically different. And so I think one of the things that we've just gotta lean on is to recognize that um, we need the grace of God and I wanna speak some words of good news into some places of despair. Moms and dads, your kids don't need you to be their savior. They already have one. His name is Jesus. He's already done everything to, to redeem. And your child's salvation is not dependent upon how good of a job you do. It's dependent upon what Jesus has done. And so you do the best job that you can to cultivate the soil and try to set up a way for them to have a real authentic relationship with Jesus. But at the end of the day, much of that is outside of your control. You know, uh, if you need another example, Jesus didn't have any kids, but he did have 12 disciples who acted like kids. And Jesus had three years where he was, invest it was his full-time job, investing into them, pouring into them, discipling them. And we have one of them that went completely rogue, off the rails, sold Jesus out, and then he committed suicide. 
And then we had the others who either uh, very specifically denied Jesus or they kind of inadvertently denied Jesus, but all of them failed in, a, in, a, in, an amazing, in a, just a tragic way. Now, here's the question. Did Jesus fail as a disciple maker? And we would say, well, no, he didn't. Because at the end of the day, they have to make some of their own decisions. And your children don't need perfect parents. What they need is authentic parents who are willing to do much as what, like Lindsay pointed out, get real curious about why you reacted instead of responded. To, to, to lean in and say, man, I'm broken. And what are the places of my brokenness? How is that affecting my kids? And to um, confess your sins and to own up to your mistakes. Some of the most powerful words that I think you can say to your kids, especially as they get older, is you just walk in and you say, man, I really messed that up. Would you extend some grace for me? Like, I, I'm, I'm stumbling my way through this as well. And our job is not to be a perfect parent. Our job is to introduce them to the only perfect parent there is, and that is their heavenly father. And I would simply say this to you today, especially like if your kids are older and they've veered away from God. Uh, I love what Reggie Joyner says about this. He says, above all else, preserve the relationship. Because out of relationship, you can have influence. You have no relationship, you have no influence. And you know, what the Bible is showing us as parents is you know, we have less control over what our kids do with their lives and decisions that they make, but we have more influence over them than anyone else, and that's how I want you to see yourself. Your primary job as uh, the parent of your kids is not to provide for them, even though that's really important. Your job for your parent, the most important job, is not to give them the childhood you never had, although that, that would be a nice thing, but it's not the primary priority. Your primary priority as a parent is not to see that they excel at travel sports or get into the right university. Your primary priority as a parent is to disciple your kids. It's not to drop them off at kids' ministry and outsource discipleship. It's not to say, hey, you know what? The student ministry will take care of that. You know, no, your, our job as student ministry and kids ministry is to come around you and to equip you to do what only you can, and that is to disciple your kids. And, and right now, we've got a whole bunch of stats on this upcoming generation. The generation between 12, or the ages right now, 12 to 17, Barna is calling that the open generation. They are the most open to the gospel of any other generation that we've seen in recent history. That should be good news. And right now, in, uh, uh, in that age group of 10 to 12, they asked that, those set of, of students, they said, what, who are the top spiritual influences in your life? Did you know what number, the number one uh, answer was? Their parents. I'm Generation X. Uh, my parents were like number 20 on the list, right? It was like, we're a very jaded generation. You can pray for us, right? It wasn't, it wasn't number one on the list. Uh, 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 number two was their pastor, which I felt kind of shocked by, just given kind of all the suspicion around those in, in authority nowadays. Number five was the internet. Praise God. Like they're going, nah, the internet's number five. Like it's on down, on down the road. Right now, this generation is eager for the word of God. Um, I'm so thankful for digital Bibles and our friends that have produced that. 12, ages 12 to 17 are saying, well, we kind of prefer paper Bibles. And so our student ministry at the beginning of the year purchased enough student paper Bibles to give out for all of 2023. And, 
We had given all of them away by the end of January. That's how hungry this generation was. So there's good news. There's like silver linings around this. And the next generation is waiting for us to pour into them and speak blessing into them. Can I just say this to those of you, whether you're a parent or not, you see a younger person that is um, serving in a, in a way that you look at that and you're like, man, they're kind of serving in their wheelhouse. They've got a gift. God's using them. Don't keep that to yourself. Speak that blessing over them. Like you see them in the hallway, you say, in fact, uh, I say this to like Ryan Bramlett and Kyle Riley all the time. I'm like, hey guys, uh, you know that, you know, somebody's gonna take our place one day. And uh, the next lead pastor of Traders Point might be a kid in our kids ministry. Find that kid and speak blessing into his life. And so as a church, we wanna pour into the next generation, which means for those of us, we need to bind up our wounds. We need to confess our sin. We need to do this hard work of saying, God, would you please bring healing into my life so that we can? And so we wanna give you a resource, uh, tpcc.org parents. And uh, you can go to that link. It's a live link right now. We're gonna continue to update that throughout the year. Parents right now say the top three challenges in parenting their kids uh, are around um, mental health. That's no surprise. Technology and sexuality. And we wanna provide resources and tools to help you be conversant with your kids in all of those three areas. Listen, if you don't disciple your kids, the world will. And they already are in each of those areas. So we need to talk about those areas because they're learning it from someone else. And so we can come around uh, to do just that. And so uh, what I wanna do right now is we we just wanna pray a prayer of blessing uh, over you. Uh, Lindsay, thanks for joining me and uh, sharing your wisdom with us. Can we give it up for Lindsay one more time? We appreciate her. And so uh, I've asked my wife just to pray a prayer of blessing over you as we kind of wrap up our time together. Father, we come to you today with grateful hearts. You're such a good God and kind heavenly Father. Thank you for the grace you provide when we fall short of your glorious standards. I just wanna lift up all the parents listening to this today. I pray that you would silence the voice of the enemy who wants to accuse them, discourage them, and shame them. I pray that the Holy Spirit would minister to any hurting hearts today. None of us are qualified to do this sacred job of stewarding the minds of the next generation. We need your help, your wisdom, and your grace. I pray that you would pour those out today on those who need them. Give us strength where we fall short and the courage to grow. I lift up this next generation of kids and teenagers to you. They face so many pressures and challenges. God, thank you for the cross of Jesus Christ, which tells us there is always hope. We ask this in Jesus' name, amen.